Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Thursday, June 20th, 2019, and this is the MMA Beat. Welcome, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. You know me from SiriusXM as well as MMA Fighting.com. I am joined here with the uh, three of us today to my left, wearing the least subtle clothing. Imaginable, <laughs> but you know what? He's rocking out. My man, Danny Segura, is here from MMAfighting.com. And at the end of the table, everybody's favorite, Phoenix Carnavalo. You know her from UFC Unfiltered, In Fighting Shape Podcast, Access TV, the whole shebang. Ladies, how are we doing? Great. You like that? Well, hey, what happened to the mustache? You shaved it. Comes and goes. You sickened yeah. me. Why'd you shave it? Um, you know, I don't know. All good things Just come felt to like it? Yeah. All right. Just felt like it. I like uh, to change looks, you know. Uh, okay. You yeah. got to keep the people on their toes. Exactly. So, uh, appreciate you guys tuning in today. Uh, as always, we will get to your questions after the show on a segment we call After the Beat. Keep sending them using the hashtag BMMABeat. All right. Let's get into it. You know what's surprising is you, know, you may not feel it, but then when you start to go down the list, you're like, whoa, this is actually a crazy busy weekend in combat sports. Let's yeah. see, right? You got Bellator London, UFC Greenville. BKFC 6, and I'm sure there's a million of smaller shows I'm missing as well. We are going to get to those. Let's actually start with something that just happened on Tuesday. Danny, I'll start with you. The return of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. And boy, have I seen a lot of hand-wringing about this. <laughs> yeah. So there was, as usual, I think, what, four or five fights in the last mm-hmm. two hours. Uh, two contracts were given out, one to Puna Soriano and one to this gentleman, DeCastro. I forget his last name. Please forgive me. Um, the one to Castro, I don't see that as particularly controversial. Soriano wouldn't be controversial, probably, but for the fact that Brendan, I don't know how you pronounce his name, Lockton, did not get a deal. Clearly the best fighter on that card. Yeah. He won, got a broken nose in the second round, fought through it, and did not get a deal because he shot for a takedown, according to Dana White, in the last 10 seconds. Good call, bad call. Yeah, this, this has been quite a hot topic. Um, I honestly don't, I think that takedown was, was so irrelevant because his body of work was already done within, you know, the last, you know, 14 minutes he, he was in that cage. So the, the last 10 seconds, it, it wasn't like he needed a finish and then he shot for a takedown and he just managed to get a decision. He had already put in the work. He had already defeated his opponent. At that point, you know, as you mentioned, he had a broken nose. I'm sure he doesn't want to take an extra punch here and there on the nose. So he just shot for a takedown and... Uh, I, I didn't really see it as, as being a, a big deal, uh, but apparently it was for Dana White. I think it was a, a bad call. Ultimately, you want people um, that are skilled, people that are talented in your organization, and, and that's who Brandon is. He's a skilled fighter, um, and he should have gotten an opportunity, but we also know sort of the brand of the Dana White content- Tuesday Night Contender Series where Dana White likes, you know, sort of the, the, the just bleed vibe where guys are just going all at it. And, and we've seen even fighters coming off the feet get second chances and, and whatnot just out of their performances. So personally, I think it was a bad call, but we also know what Dana, what kind of fighter Dana is, is, is looking for. And I don't think Brandon was, was it. Well, I'll ask you this. What weight class is Brandon in? That was... Um, was it featherweight, I think? Featherweight, Something featherweight like or bantam. Something like that. It was feather or bantam, right? So... Yeah. so I, like I said, and I've said this a lot, it's really about casting what's needed in a particular division or department. So DeCastro was heavyweight. They're trying to mix things up, kind of pick him up. He's got some buzz because it was a KO by leg kick. 
Soriano I've seen in, in the LFA, mm-hmm. super tough and has fought some people that- Can't he, say he's a better fighter than Brendan though. I wouldn't say, not. I definitely wouldn't say that either. But what I, the point I'm making is like, if, if he's looking for the excitement factor, that particular night, that's the decision he made. And the only reason it doesn't upset me is because I work for the LFA and I watch the, the way that the UFC takes our fighters and they took like 30% of our roster last year. And I watch how they kind of funnel in through the system. The contender series isn't always the great and the the best way to go. And because Dana said at the end of it, this kid's going to make it here, just not tonight, it really didn't bother me that much because I watched them grow and, and bloom in the LFA and then get picked up because they need someone in that division on another card. So I feel like those possibilities are kind of endless and that we shouldn't always focus on the contender series being the way to get in. Okay, so two questions for you. From your, what, what you can tell, I don't know how much you've thought about it or not, is there a rhyme or reason? Is there like a... If someone had to ask you what kind of fighters does Dana take from the LFA, what would you say? I would champions. I, champions too. We, like if you get a belt, you're almost sitting there waiting for that UFC call. Okay. Yeah, what definitely. else? Also, people who are on a good tear and who have fought, hot, you know, competition. And then sometimes it's about, well, you're in their top five, and we're looking for somebody in your weight class, and that's happening soon. And can you make it? Hmm. So there's a lot of crazy ways that these kids and guys and girls get into the UFC. Okay, so that's a fair point too, right? Because short notice is a great Mm -hmm. thing. Here's the thing that I think was really off-putting for me was Brendan didn't just win the fight. He actually had his best round in the third after he'd had his nose broken. If you guys didn't see his Instagram, he was urinating blood later, which is always a fun little detail. (laughs) And he kind of got made an example of. That, I think that part to me is like, he's like, this is what you don't do. It's like fight IQ. Yeah. That's what you don't do. That right. was a weird message. I get why he does it because I have a theory too. But I have to say I found that extremely, uh, uh, like uh, to, for Dana White to go out there after a guy broke his nose in the second round and then put it on his opponent in the third, that was incredibly insulting. Yeah. I can understand that. I can definitely see your point of view there. And especially within the wording of that, it's like, if you have a high fight IQ and you, you just got to be really willing to risk the loss and go out there and be a killer, and that's not how necessarily every single fighter fights. And I think, you know, scoring that takedown for him at the end was, hey, I'm going to score. And, it, and to Dana, it was that you don't have that killer instinct. And on the contender series, we're looking for killer instinct guys right. only. And that We can call it killer instinct. Let's just call it what it is. It's low fight IQ. <laughs> Sorry, that's what it is. Yeah. Like, we're dressing it up in these nice terms. Sure. Here's my theory. I wonder if you, what you guys make of it. My theory is that... Because killer instinct is different. Killer instinct is if you got the guy hurt and you think and you see the the window and the opportunity to get the finish. And go for that it. wasn't there for Brandon. His opponent was tough. That dude, Bill Algeo, was super, super tough. tough. He was, mm-hmm. he was in that third round. He took so many shots; it was ridiculous. So it wasn't like oh, he didn't have killer instinct. There was there, there was no window for him to go for the kill. That's why he went for the takedown. Also, we're um, gonna have we're gonna talk about Korean Zombie in a minute. Yeah. Who got knocked out at four fifty nine of the third? Yeah, like that happens. That's a real thing in this sport. Yeah, exactly. You know, I can I can totally understand. So to me, it was really weird. But I will say, I sort of I was thinking at first. I was like, how could it be that like? To your point, yeah. Dana even said this guy's gonna fight in the UFC. Right. He acknowledged he was UFC caliber. He just didn't put him on the show. And so I thought to myself, how does that make sense? Here's how it makes sense to me. One is, hey, we need heavyweights. This guy look good. DeCastro look good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sign him. No problem. Okay. But other than that, they're looking for two kinds of fighters, I think. One is the one who is willing to fight against their own interests sometimes. Uh, all out, empty the gas tank. You know, uh, you have to win usually. But just this kind of effort that may or may not be necessarily in their best interest in terms of the win of the fight. But they luck out. They take a risk. They like risk takers. Mm-hmm. And they like world beaters. In either perspective, if you take all the risks and you knock your opponent out in the second, that's one way to get in. Sure. The other way to get in is the other end of the bell curve. When you're so damn good, you're not taking all these risks. You're just blowing through everybody. Yeah. They'll take both. But that doesn't mean that the ones in between are not UFC caliber. It just means you're not a right fit for the show. That, yeah. Yes, it's reality TV still at the end of the day. I mean, they're a media company also. You, you guys remember Kevin Holland, right? He was on the Contender Series. Mm-hmm. 
he knew that he wasn't going to get the contract that night. He just knew because he looked, and it, I think Greg Hardy and Alonzo Menafield were also Two on. Two very that, good fighters. Yeah, yeah, that same night. Well, he no, looked, sorry, one popular, one good. Fighter. Right. So they, he looked at it and he was like, "All right, I'm not, I'm not getting it tonight." But what I am going to do is I'm going to showcase my skills, showcase who I am, get in front of the big boss, and sit around and wait. He came back, I think, to the LFA or a color, a couple other local promotions, fought once or twice. He's in. Yeah. Isn't he fighting this weekend? He's fighting. He might be. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I think he's on the Greenville card. But anyway, that's my point. Like I look at the Contender Series as reality TV, and and sometimes we kind of want to steer the fighters away from doing the Ultimate that's Fighter right. or or doing the Contender Series. That is We're exactly like, correct. no man, work here. Like get get your record up, make it a little bit more interesting, win a belt here, then have them call you and give you a contract rather than going in yeah. through that whole reality TV Dude, thing. Dude, it is so funny to me, Danny, to piggyback on her point. Yeah. Last week, what were we talking about? Aaron Pico, Pico. Not, getting enough, not, not getting enough time yeah. on the regional scene, and she is absolutely right. It is At the end of the day, it's reality TV. And again, they're going to get the world beaters, they're going to get the risk takers, but there are so many good fighters who could find their way to the UFC, but they got to find the right fit. Mm -hmm. To me, this was a wake-up right. call. You and your manager... Find the right fit. True or false? 100%. I mean, if you look at the Ultimate Fighter, also, like, the, the people that... The, the Ultimate Fighter is, is a very interesting... It's a tournament. It's a tournament. Yeah. That's what it is. And some yeah. fighters are, are better suited for that. Some fighters, in 100%. fact, can make the weight repeatedly because they're not that heavy, whereas you get, for example, Sajara Eubanks, for example, struggled. And it wasn't that because she wasn't a good fighter. It was because... To make 125, it was really tough on her body. And to do it multiple times in, sh in such a short amount of time, yeah. it just wasn't possible for her to keep up a certain performance and, and also just make the weight. So fighters need to have a, a self-assessment, see what they're good at, what their skills at, what their attribute is, what their brand is, to be honest. Sure. And then find the right fit, whether it's you know, picking up a belt somewhere else, whether it's the contender series. Um I'm just happy that there's more avenues than the Ultimate Fighter because that's all we had for sure, now. Of so I know the the contender season is getting a lot of criticism because of that. But look, if you look at the guys that have come out of it, like uh, Sean o o O'Malley, you know he is a star. He's fighting uh, Chito Era at UFC 239, I believe, in yeah. July. Johnny Walker is um, another one. Ian Hines. Exactly. So Hines. so it does serve a certain purpose. Um, just for Brandon, it, that that just wasn't the right avenue. And we also, I, I also want to add this: sure. as media, we 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 sort of look at the UFC and we've been uh, very critical of it. And I feel like the media often takes a very uh, sports uh, outlook to to this, you know, whole company and just you know the whole um, organization in general. But it's it's sports entertainment, you know. So from a merit standpoint, yes, Brandon deserved to to get a contract, but. This is just not the the same sphere that the UFC is looking. I think I think the lesson I take is one. I think the right fit is one. And by the yeah. way, Bellator might be a better fit for you. Sure. You know, there's a lot of That's ways true. this could go. For also, you. Brandon got a bunch of publicity right now. First, yeah, like having he, people yeah. on his yeah. side is so good for him when he does make it in. There's no doubt about it. He also got raked over the coals. I mean, this this whole thing where like he came out looking great. He did. He also got treated like shit. Like yeah, they, they, we just you got to acknowledge it. Okay. The last thing I'll say about this is. It goes back to what Phoenix does. She goes and uh, uh, and covers these LFA shows. There are so many tier, tiers below LFA, which folks don't even realize. This is a lesson and a wake-up call for fighters about getting the right kind of experience and for fans, too. You want to see somebody think long-term? Find me the guy who's taken six, seven, eight, nine fights on the regional show yeah. and then jumps. We all want these ultimate fighters. I've had three fights. I'm ready. I want to be in the contender series. I got five first-round knockouts. Dude, you're not ready for the UFC. You are so not ready. And if you don't donk it up and take risks, they're going to make an example out of you. And so there's so many ways that you need to get prepared, not just the physical aspect of fighting. What we five do, round fights. Also, for sure. Way. That's a big deal as well. And what we do at the LFA is we also media train them. We we try, really? to, yeah, we try to yeah uh, we try we try <laughs> we try to teach them to be media savvy yeah. before an interview I'll sit there and I'll talk to them it's like these are the questions that I'm going to ask you what are you going to say and, and um uh, uh blah, blah. okay let's try let's practice a little bit it doesn't always work out but we at least give them the opportunity to say That's crazy. you're going to be on social media you're going to be tagged on this and that you're going to be filmed you're going to be on television this is what the walkout's going to be like that's a lot to take yeah. into consideration if it's something you've never done before no doubt about it. All right, we got to move on from it. The other thing I want to talk about here very quickly is Dana White's made a bunch of claims. Now, a lot of them are very vague, so it's not, it's hard to know exactly what he means and, and how he means it. But the talk about boxing has really ramped up. Mm -hmm. Brian Campbell, who's not on today's show, had talked about that the PBC, by the way, he was the one who talked about the rumor before it became a big thing, yeah. that the PBC was uh, maybe was going to be purchased by Endeavor, the parent company of UFC. Maybe Dana White might have a hand. That rumor 
uh, got spread afterward. And then there was this Apex facility debut for the Contender Series. The Apex facility looks amazing, yeah, by the way. Sick. This one, that's one of those times where I was like, that truly is a pretty interesting idea by Zufa. I will give them credit for it. They're talking about doing boxing. And here's what I was thinking about. Now, I don't know if DAZN's going to be a success or not. I don't know if they can get the right kind of fights or not. But you're watching Canelo on DAZN. Mm-hmm. You're watching Triple G on DAZN. You're watching uh, Anthony Joshua on DAZN. You just saw Tyson Fury, not on ESPN pay-per-view, not on ESPN. You saw him on ESPN+. Plus. He was talking about a huge rebrand with Fight Pass. Why is it crazy, Phoenix, if it is crazy, to think that Dana White couldn't sign a potentially important boxing fight? Mikey Garcia on my very radio show said he was interested in talking to him. Yeah. And put it on Fight Pass. Why is that so crazy? I don't think that's crazy at all. I don't think it's crazy at all either, especially we've all been involved with MMA for a long time. We were involved before it was legal in certain states. We were involved before it was legal here. We were involved when practically no media was at these events. And then looking at it on ESPN now, having ESPN Plus, Fight Pass definitely needs a revamp. Why not revamp it with getting the opportunity for boxing fans to be like, all right, I'll check this out. Because right now it's just a library, really. So I I don't really feel surprised by anything that the UFC does now because once it's sold for $4.2 billion and then it got on ESPN, now I'm just kind of sitting back and watching what else they do. I'm really uh, not surprised. I'm really kind of shocked at just the fact that we continue to keep moving forward in such big ways. I know forward motion I'm not surprised by, but like, okay, all right, right. boxing, sure, why not? It's combat sports. We're tackling combat sports. I'm just curious as to how we rebrand it because it's been the mixed martial arts organization for so long. That's right. What does it look like? What does it sound like? What's it called? That's right. Yeah. Danny? It's interesting. Yeah, UFC Fight Pass— Are you skeptical or no of the the possibilities there? No, I am. I am. You are skeptical. Yeah, because UFC Fight Pass started hot. We were talking about how, you know, it was such a great platform. Now we have a place where we can watch all these fights and— I remember uh, Anderson Silva and Bisping fought on UFC Fight Pass. Like, there were some big fights going on as well. Um, and then all of a sudden, we started seeing sort of the bigger fights happen elsewhere, not UFC Fight Pass. Uh, and then ESPN Plus, you know, picked up the Contender Series. Do you have the Ultimate Fighter as well? I think, uh, I don't know. That's, I forget. Part of that deal was hard to remember, yeah. Yeah. but uh, I don't know. But they've they've acquired a lot of things that made Fight Pass so, so appealing, you know? So at this point, you know, you could ask, like, you know, why, you know, What's the purpose of Fight Pass, right? Like, what's the purpose of having it? But if... To undercut the zone. Yeah, if, if totally. You, if you manage to get, you know, some, some boxers assigned to, to a deal, all of a sudden, you know, you have something a little more complete. I think I think there's a, it's a long way. It's, it's a long shot. It's a long way to go. Um, because also, if you look at the zone, they have other properties like Bellator, Combate Americas, that ends up adding up to, to something larger. And I feel like UFC Fight Pass, although they have EBI and a few other uh, martial arts, um, you know, acquisitions, they don't have the same presence as, say, like a ESPN+. Plus. Mm-hmm. So I think it's definitely possible they have the platform to do it, especially like giving they have the UFC PI, the UFC Apex now, and they can just, that, that's also a, a, an enticing thing for any boxer that would like to, to sign, right? Like, come, come over here, we'll take care of you. We'll get you the proper training with the best of the best. Um, but I think, I think it's got a long way to go. For it to be. I, I'm, I'm optimistic and pessimistic at the same time. So here's where I'm optimistic. I don't think that there is any promoter in the space doing anything with the same kind of long-term vision as the UFC is with mm-hmm. this Apex facility. Right. Yep. It sounds like a lot of pie in the sky, and I'm sure some of the things they say will not come true. I bet some of it does. I bet a lot of it does. That is that is, that is future-proof investment that nobody is doing, not, not even a little bit. So that, to me, is interesting. Um, Second of all, I've talked to people in the boxing world, like, what do you think about Dana White getting involved? And it was surprisingly, they were welcome to it. Mm -hmm. I I thought they'd be like, this, jabroni, get him out. No, not at all. Now, of course, there's some skepticism as well. Right. So so I think that they're another entrant coming in and shaking things up. They like that. Here's where I I have a little issue with it. Not issue, I just don't understand. He's talking about working with other promoters and not doing his own belts and, and working with the sanctioning bodies. It's like, wait a second. You're doing all the things that you don't do in MMA to make mm-hmm. money, and now you're going to do that in boxing? Because if you do that, like you want Anthony Joshua to fight on Fight Pass, it's going to cost you $40 million. I got a lot of UFC fighters are going to be wondering, why don't why don't they have $40 million? Yep. So how do you juggle two different realities? Yeah. 
while being the same promoter of both. That that was the one thing I was really confused on how they were going to work that out because, you know, I've had a lot of talks with Heather Hardy. And she always talks about the inequality in, in boxing's pay. And that was one of the main reasons that she had switched over to MMA. So I was a bit hopeful that if the UFC does restructure the way boxing is done, because boxing never really respected the women in, in fight culture. They really haven't. I mean, the, my female boxing friends will tell you that. There's a few that are at the very top, but their very top is still less than any male boxer ever. And it's a very sad pay scale where with MMA... It feels like if a woman's a star, she's a star, and she, that's it. She's making money because she's where she is on the card and who she is in her brand. Boxing never really had that. Like, Heather will talk about selling tickets after tickets and still making— $40,000 worth, yeah. And, and still making practically nothing mm-hmm. or, or not even being on, like, the TV portion or things like that. She, she can tell you in much better detail. So I'm wondering if the structure of how that works for— women in MMA will fall over into women in boxing and how much better for the branding, for for their pay. I mean, we complain about fighter pay in the UFC so much, but could it possibly be as bad as what women in boxing go through? So that kind of sparked some interest in my head on how the way the UFC brands and makes their stars, how much that might actually help. Because the truth is, I don't really know much about some of the fighters that are on the undercards in boxing. I really only know the main event, and that's really most of the time what I tune in for. But with the UFC, even though we criticize them, we'll know some of the the, the people that are on the undercards, that are on Fight Pass, that we'll, we'll know. We'll know those names. And I give them a lot of credit for that, and I wonder if that structure will really help some of these boxers and why that maybe that's why they're so open to it. But I also think that's why they make the, make the money that they make. Like, you, right. all the money is concentrated at the top in boxing and then very little all the way down. Sure. And you don't know them. You know some of the ones on the prelim card because they all get kind of this middle-class salary. Right. And there's a lot of benefits to either version, uh, but I think most fighters would be like, I'd rather have the... Situation where I can get, for the most part, the forty million, Danny. Yeah, I agree, and it's going to be an interesting thing to see if if it does come through, like how Dana White and the UFC is going to handle it, because that can cause a lot of, uh, you know, stir a lot of things up with over at the UFC, because they can, you know, the fighters can say, well, you know, how's their how are they making so much money, right? And it's going to be interesting as well how Dana White and how the UFC changes their model of of promotion to. To boxing, because if, if you look at boxing, we're not tuning in because the WBA title's on the line. We're tuning in because Manny Pacquiao's fighting Keith Thurman. That's right. Yeah, it's it's it revolves around personality. It, it revolves around individuals That's rather right. than the actual uh, body, right? Whereas the UFC, and you know, I know the pro- the product looks different than it did a few years ago. Nonetheless, you see a UFC card, you kind of know what kind of quality of MMA to expect, right? What kind of quality of fighting. So you tune in, yes, there's names and there's names on the card, but you, you mainly, a lot, a lot of people tune in because there's UFC fights, right? Yeah. MMA fights. Uh, so that's that's gonna get that's gonna get very interesting to see how how they manage. It. I don't have an, an answer to it, but you know I'm just curious to see see how it works out. Here's a sad reality about it though: every time the UFC takes something from the fighters, you know what they do? They roll over. So like, if they start promoting boxers who are getting twenty million dollar checks, do you know what they probably will do if passed this prologue? Nothing. They will do nothing. So. Just keep that in mind. Fun little part. <laughs> All right. With that out of the way, let's talk about some of the fights coming up this week. There's actually a bunch of them. Um, okay. Let's start with Bellator just a little bit so we can recap next week, and then we'll talk about a UFC card that I've never seen this little amount of buzz for. But uh, Bellator London is this weekend. Bellator London. A couple of interesting fights on this. I'm going to make a proclamation to you both. Ready for this one? Go for it. I, I'm not. Notice I didn't say prediction. Notice uh-huh. I didn't say prediction. Oh, proclamation. Wow. Proclamation. Okay. This uh-huh. gives me enough wiggle room where if it blows up in my face, I can be like, well, I didn't. It was just a proclamation. Just a proclamation. Not, not a prediction. prediction. <laughs> I'm getting a bit of a spidey sense about Rafael Lovato Jr. If you don't know anything about him, he's one of the, uh, well, I think um, one of the best American black belts ever in jiu-jitsu facing Gagard Musasi for the um, uh, middleweight title. He is um, amazing. He is an amazing fighter. If it goes to the ground, as good as Musasi is, he ain't Lovato good. Not hardly anyone in the world is. He's in shape. And here's the thing about Lovato, and it's this whole Bellator card, too. It's coming off this Bellator NYC hangover. Like, Lovato's a real quiet (coughs) sportsman, bows, assiduously, Phoenix, avoids talking uh, nonsense. Musasi, I'm not saying he's checked out, but he's definitely in the later stages of his career. Yep. I wonder what you make of this matchup and my spidey sense about Lovato's potential here. Real potential for an upset, if you ask me. 
One, I love that you use Spidey Sense. Yes. Uh, Got that tingle. Two, we've seen Lovato Jr. in the LFA. Four-fight winning streak. Was our champ. Then, of course, got picked up by Bellator. He's nasty. He can strike. He can wrestle. Yes. His jiu-jitsu. I've seen him coach. He's a fantastic coach. He's so clear and concise. Um, if he does win, I would not be surprised. Look, Musasi's Musasi. He's 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 great. He's fought in like every single organization ever, right? He's like fought for everybody. everybody. Um, but he has 53 fights. So you know, I think Lovato has nine. So he's like this young lion coming yeah. in with a lot of diversity. And also you worry about Musasi because he's coming off of like severe sciatica and back issues. And that's why he had to take some time off. So if he's fresh and he's focused, it makes a very interesting matchup. But I would not be surprised. I really wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Lovato, Lovato takes it. What are you feeling about this matchup? It's kind of, um, I feel pretty confident, Gigard. Uh, I'm not making a prediction. I'm making a proclamation. That Gegard, you know, will, will defend his title. Um, but look, it wouldn't surprise me. Lovato, as you guys both said, yeah. he's super skilled, super legit. And it's not like Gegard hasn't been submitted before. I believe he got submitted by Jackert, right? Yeah, although he um, had a knee injury at the time. Yeah. And so there's a little bit of right. controversy about right. it. Um, but, you know, it's been done before. Um, so, you know, I can definitely see it, see it happening. But, you know, I have a feeling that experience uh, will, will take... Musasi pretty far in this one. And it, it's kind of like a similar storyline into the main event that we just saw at Bellator NYC with an undefeated uh, Jiu-Jitsu Finon and Neiman Gracie taking on Roy McDonald who mm-hmm. had questions entering that bout. And now here we are, you know, questioning Gegard Musasi because he has said things. He has put a timeline onto his career. He, mm-hmm. he knows he's in the end. He knows he only has a few fights left. Uh, it's extremely interesting main event. I think the fact that it's even, because it's been booked before and it's been canceled, uh, the fact that it's been prolonged, I feel like it, it's even more interesting now. And the fact that we already know that Machido won. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting fight. But uh, I feel, I'm feeling Gegard in this one. Well, the only thing I would add to that is, uh, as good as Neiman Grace has been in Jiu-Jitsu, Lovato has been much better. That's right. And as to Phoenix's point, can wrestle and strike in a way that uh, Neiman's takedowns are a lot of trip and then upper body mm-hmm. takedowns. He can straight up double leg, yeah. like, very well. Don't mm-hmm. don't tell Dana White. Musasi is, is, is really smart, though. I mean, when I was listening to him talk about the strategy for this fight, is like, I'm not going to be able to bully this guy. I'm not going to really be able to ground and pile this guy. I have to stay long. So I feel like he's going to try to fight him at range and and pop shots at him and and just hurt him and pick him apart until he gets him tired. That's probably where we're going to go if he's able to do that. Yeah, and I think, what can be said about this win for Musasi in his career at this stage? To your point, he's fought everywhere. He's fought the very best fighters of his generation almost fight in and fight out for the most part. Does this win do a lot for his resume? What does it mean for him if he ends up beating, let's say convincingly destroys Lovato? He continuously brings up, I'm getting paid, I'm getting paid. So I think that's what it is. It's like, just keep banking it. I guess what I'm asking is, is he like, where would he be under like most underrated Oh, noise. he's definitely up there. I feel like right? it's one of those things like a like a Pernell Whitaker where people don't only appreciate him after they watch old footage of him after he's gone. That and that's a shame to me, you know. But but yeah, I I think that because he switched over to Bellator and because we we still aren't talking about Bellator fighters the way that we should, especially after this weekend, I'm a little high on Bellator right now. Um I think that 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 took a little bit of the value off of where he sits in that division, unfortunately. Uh, but I think that if we're looking at combat sports as a whole, if we look at his Wikipedia page and everybody else in that division's Wikipedia page, he's probably going to be up there. Yeah, I think because of his long layoff. Because if you guys that remember, mm-hmm. if you guys remember when Bellator acquired uh, Gegard Musasi, it was around the same time that they also got um, Roy right. McDonald. Mm-hmm. And the talk at that time was. Bellator could make an argument that they have the best welterweight and the best middleweight That's on right. the planet. That's right. I feel like that has dwindled down because of inactivity. Uh, but look, we know how legit Lovato Jr. is. So if Gabriel Musasi does blow the doors off him and gets a huge win, I think that conversation can start, you know, it'll reignite again. And then all of a sudden you have somebody in Machida that you can pin him up against that can bring sort of the attention to a level where we can start having that conversation again and, and, and Gegard can be viewed as one of the best middleweights in the world. People look at it in a weird way, though, because they don't look at it as, like, these are Bellator guys. They look at it as, these are old UFC guys. Yes. These, at the end of their prime. Except, it's a little Lovato, different. except yeah. Lovato, maybe. But right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that's what hurts Masasi's legacy, just a drop. 
I, I would. I would. He didn't get the UFC belt, and he got yeah. the Bellator belt. There's always going to be people who go, "What about that, bro?" But right. he was on a win streak, he and I think there were circumstances the yeah. there that right. outside of his fight, he was the number one contender exactly. when he when he when he split. when he left. Yeah, and also he's not he's not like the earlier acquisitions that Bellator had, like the Tito Ortiz, Rampage Jackson. That you know they were really big names, but clearly they were already on the end of the yeah. end of their career. You can say that you got. Musasi, you know, maybe not peak prime, but within within the best years of his career. Agreed. Uh, he left as a top contender. He left on a, on a nice win streak as well. Um, I believe his last fight was against uh, Weidman. Yeah, in the UFC. it was controversial it was though controversial, because it was yeah. the it the was Mirliata yeah. said it was a down knee, but it wasn't. He was pulling him up right. from the from the, the uh, sort of like a. Nonetheless, yeah. he, he was he was looking good in that bout. Um, so yeah, I think I'll push back into a point a little bit in the sense of like, I feel like Bellator got him in, in, in the good years. Mm-hmm. I would just say though, here, here, this is what I want to prepare people for. Look, maybe Musashi go. Musashi is an amazing fighter. For sure. So maybe he goes in there good and, and, and good gra- yeah, All the way around. And maybe he just goes in there and jabs him and busts mm-hmm. up his face and then, you know, destroys Lovato Jr. Like this is, this would that surprise me? Not even a little bit. What I don't want to hear is if Lovato Jr. wins, right. people go, Gagar was overrated. No, 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 no. The guy he's fighting this weekend in Lovato Jr. is is the real deal Holyfield. And to me, what Musasi's already done is pretty incredible. If he can add Lovato to the mix, even better. If not, there's still, to me, a pretty, pretty uh, impeccable body of work. Um, Now, co-main event. Don't have a whole lot to say about it. Eric Silva taking on Paul Daly. I love it. Seems just like an action fight. I think Paul's kind of passed at this point as a guy who's going to be like a title contender. I mean, Beltor, you never really know, but yeah. but I think they're like, okay, he, he's a risk taker. He's a risk taker. They risk take on the feet. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. That's going to be a fun fight. I, I know some people were complaining about this being the coming event, but I love it. I think it could actually be one of the best fights in 2019. We'll, we'll see how it shapes out, but Eric Silva... He's not afraid to get into a, into a fist fight, and, and neither is uh, Paul Daly. So yeah, and he can pull out a sick sick submission yeah. even when he's in trouble. Because it, when he got cut from the UFC, he had one fight with us in the LFA, and then jumped over to Bellator right away. And that LFA fight, he was actually getting hurt on his feet, mm. and he's getting to the ground. And then Brian Ortega was actually cornering him, and Brian starts screaming things out. And I think he I think he hooked up a triangle to, to end that a first round submission. But he was getting he was getting lit up. And he was able to, like, pull out a submission. So I think mentally he was a little, like, so off-put about being dropped from the UFC. But he also had mentioned that he felt like he had to really take a good look at himself and rework the way he trained. So it's kind of nice to see him back. Last thing on this is you got James Gallagher. You know what's funny about James? I met him in person uh, for the first Beltor NYC card. No one will believe you if you tell them this, but it really is true. He's in an, He's an unbelievably nice kid. Like, he was so respectful and friendly and, um, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy who comes across the room to say hi and shake your hand. That's cool. That, that's who he is. Not to his opponents, <laughs> but to everybody else. He That's why people bag on him. I get it because he pokes the bear and you poke the bear, this is what happens. Like, yeah. you get Ricky Bandejas, kicks you in the face and everyone celebrates. <laughs> Here he is. Uh, this is what I was thinking about, you know. Is there really room for two Irish bad boys in MMA, especially if they're in the same team. My answer to that is, Danny, here's what my thought is. One, if Connor's kind of fading in the background, the answer is you can kind of step it up in his absence. Or maybe the simpler answer is, yeah, if he keeps winning, there's uh, you can have 50 Irish bad boys if they can all yeah. win. What do you think? We're talking about him now, so there's clearly a room for, for You see him for get that. in his opponent's face? And, yes. then his, and then his opponent's coach's face? That's yeah. the face-off? Yeah. And, and people, people again. This is the talk. People are hate on 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 James, but like even fighters are calling him out when he's coming off a, a, a loss. So um, they all want a piece of him. Yeah, it's it's clear that he has a name uh, within within this sport, and I think there is there is enough room, uh, especially with McGregor. I mean, what is McGregor doing these days? He hasn't fought in, in a bit in MMA, and uh, I don't think he's going to stick around for for all that many fights. While James is super young, so as when as soon as McGregor retires. Just focuses on his uh, whiskey business. It's all James Gallagher. Uh, all right. Is there anything else in that card I'm not thinking of? I don't think so. That's the... Oh, here's the last piece. Charlie Ward is fighting. Charlie... Great. Um, Another Irish uh, bad boy. Sweet. Um, <laughs> here's what, here what uh, caught my attention. And this is hilarious. The card... It's both or London. Uh-huh. The card is going to air tape delay on DAZN. <laughs> um... 
Now, I could have sworn that the Wait, whole but purpose. But the zone is uh, streaming. Uh, yeah, I could have sworn the whole purpose of moving to the streaming profile yeah. was that we didn't have to play this dumb Viacom game of we're going to air sports on tape delay because it's better for ratings for us when we do that, which, by the way, it is. But the whole point is it's a disservice to the fans. And I get it. It's airing on Paramount. Yeah. So I guess they don't want to spoil the, the party for Paramount. Right. But I'm sorry, DAZN. If I'm paying for your service, air it live. How hard is that? Air it live. Air it live. It's live sports. Can you air it live? You have streaming technology. That's what the whole thing's about. You're going to tape delay your stream. I might, I might have to boycott this. I might have to boycott it. That's my thought. You're not going to. Yeah. All right. Uh, then that takes us very quickly to, God, was Bellator on Saturday? Did we already just pass it? The the whole... Uh, it was and, on Friday. It was on Friday, so we're a little bit past it. I don't want to spend much time because we've got to get to this UFC card. Um, Phoenix, I'll jump over to you. Did you go to the fights? I thought yes, I saw on your I Instagram did. you did. I did go. Yeah. This was actually the first Bellator event I've ever attended. Super quick. How was it? Really, really good. Yeah. Like, the production value was really good. Whoever does their graphics department is, yeah. like, really good. Each folks, fighter was individual. I tell folks, if you go to a Bellator show, I don't know about the ones in Thackerville, mm -hmm. but if they're going to do it up, it's, it's, it's a, a good show. show. Very it's a good. good show. Um, okay, so very quickly, I don't want to get to the whole thing. There's a lot of different angles. Everyone's already talked it to death. But we kind of talked about, you You work at LFA, right? Mm -hmm. And on access. And we talked about Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Let's talk very quickly about Aaron Pico. I've already shared all my opinions about him. Curious from your perspective. You watch people come through the ranks, and some go on and have great successes, and some do not, and it's a hard thing to, to figure out. He's four and three. So here's my question to you. What went wrong? He's just young. He's 22 years old, and he's just getting started. Let me ask it differently. Yeah. Give me the good argument for why he's four and three. In other words, to me, the fact that he's four and three, somebody messed up. Somebody yeah, messed course. up. So that's my issue. I get that he's young. I'm not burying him sure. at all. Good, good, but good. somebody messed up. And so what went wrong in that sense? Well, because I watch fighters grow, I would have said you're going to wait until you're like 24, 25 before you go into the Bellator or the UFC. I would have had him brew a little bit at the LFA or CFFC or any of those organizations just because you have to get more ring generalship. You have to get more ring time. If you look at boxing, we're talking about boxing, some of the things that boxing does well is that they have a lot more amateur fights. They have the metros, the golden gloves. They have a lot of areas where they can compete mm. and just get used to different body types, different strategies, different ways. This is a lot of pressure first coming in. So I wish that he would have had some time to brew. It's just that we look at people like like a John Jones, for example, that gets plucked up and then winds up becoming the greatest because he's a hot prospect and, and all those type of things. But John Jones, look at his body type. It is a much, much less variable. Yeah, yeah he's, he's an anomaly. He's kind of special. So I feel you got to let people brew a little bit and, um, and give them a bigger amateur career. I think because of his pedigree, he got just jumped to the top and it's unfair to him. Yeah. I agree with, with uh, what Phoenix is saying. But my, my only... Thing that I would like to add on to that is that I feel like he can brew a little bit in Bellator. I mean, we've seen guys like Ed Ruth. We've seen guys like Dylan Dennis. We've mm -hmm. seen tons of prospects. I mean, James Gallagher, just this weekend, he's fighting somebody that's 12 and 6. Uh, close to the same amount of fights that he had, he's had. And, uh, you know, I mean, not, not the greatest record, but a record that, you know, it's, it, it's a good challenge for him. Um, Pico was getting guys that were just way, way out of his, 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 his experience level. And I think... I think, yeah, f of course, fighting at LFA, LFA and other promotions, other smaller promotions would have been a good service for him. But I feel like he can still get that service within Bellator. Mm -hmm. It just comes down to the type of fights they're going to offer him. And it comes down to his new team, I guess, now. Um, being like, hey, no, I don't think that's a good fight for you. I don't think you should be fighting that person. And then also the Bellator matchmakers, you know, finding good opposition uh, for him to, to test his skills. Yeah, Coker was quite verbal about saying that it wasn't he wasn't just going to let him go. It's not like a yeah. three strikes, you're out type of situation that he would have the opportunity to brew and grow there, which is good. Yeah. Um, it's just that you I feel... That. Yep. Yeah, and, and, that, and I think that's right. And at 22 years old, I don't worry so much about him. I just worry about him taking so much damage at 22 years old that it affects his future. Right. Uh, yeah. So here's my one last Bellator question because I know, Jesus, 40 minutes. Well, we got to contender series. Um, Bellator 222 was the one on Friday. Was it a good night for Bellator or was it a bad night for Bellator? I think very good. Okay, why? 
I think that there was some competitive matchups. I think seeing Rory be Rory was really good. I think or Gucci beat Caldwell and Pico got crushed. Yeah, but those we're talking about those two. I think Hardy got crushed too. Yeah, I think ha- yeah that was that bothered me a lot. Um, I think having Chael retire brought a lot of eyes and ears and attention to them. Uh, I think Machida winning the way that he did. It's like oh, Machina's back. You know, in a lot of ways, I think mm. people got excited about that. And I think Archuleta was somebody for people to take notice of. That's true. Uh, I think uh, um, Mix was somebody for people to take notice of. That's right. So maybe the, the people that we expected to win and that we were rooting for didn't, but these other people got people's attention. You know, Valerie Loretta, she's interesting too. Mm-hmm. I think I think it built some interest in some up-and-coming stars. Good yeah. night, a bad night. I think it was a good night. I mean, overall, if you if you look at the product, you were satisfied with what you got. Yeah. It was a good night of fights. Yep. So automatically, it's a good night for Bellator. Now, that there were some things like the Aaron Pico loss, uh, you know, having Caldwell lose as well. But look, you got Kyoji Horiguchi, who's arguably one of the best bantamweights, if not the best bantamweight on planet Earth right now, that he's going to come back to your organization because there's something in, in, in his contract that he has to defend that belt. Uh, and that makes that makes it very interesting. Also, that partnership, uh, I feel like, was was brought up a lot within this card, and, and I feel like fans are attracted to that cross-promotion. Okay. Um, and I also think that, for example, look at, like, Dylan Dennis. He picked up a victory. He's still undefeated. Yeah. Um, I just think talent prospecting, I've mentioned it a million yeah. times, talent prospecting in MMA is it's so hard. Is so yeah. hard. So, like, some of the ones you thought were going to win, they didn't. But some of the ones you didn't expect exactly. to win, here they come. So it's like... R- Rory won, and he seems to be at a very good place right now. And there were so many questions entering Bellator 222 about him that, is he, is he done? He's clearly not done. Yeah. Uh, so I think overall, it was good news for Bellator. Also, the Machito win was also good for them because now you got a contender in two divisions. Uh, so all think, right. Yeah. So very good. So let's transition now, if we can, to the UFC card. I say this like every time there's a ESPN Plus card, but I swear to God... Is there any buzz for this card? If I hadn't even brought it up, would you guys have remembered there was a UFC card this week? Yeah. No, I, I go to the page a lot. <laughs> okay. That's why. But fair to say, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if I had to task someone with naming four fights, I think we'd all struggle on this one a little bit here. Wow, what a non-entity. Now, it's partly the issue that they were going to have Wonder Boy on it, and then he got knocked out by Anthony Pettis, and they wanted to take his time, which everyone, I hope, understands. Yeah. So that's, that's just... So part of the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, on the other hand, this is the thing getting back to Dana White talking about the boxing stuff. You know why I think he partly wants to do boxing? To, like, bring it all home? I think he's a little, I won't say bored in MMA, but they've got everything kind of on a system now. Yeah. It's like a factory assembly of Fords, and it turns all the product in the MMA side a little bit to banquet food, but... It's 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 a system. So I think he's trying to like, oh, I got, I kind of, I kind, not figured it out, but I kind of got this going on. Let me see what I can do to, you know, promote other things. I really, yeah. I think that's part of it, but I also think boxing is a lot more exciting right now. Yeah. And I think that that they point. have so much money, and then the apex is new, and it's like, well, how much stuff can we film in here? Well, we could do boxing. I mean, there's only, I think it seats only like two thousand, so. You know, it's all going to be yeah, stuff that's yeah. major for streaming. It's yeah, not going to yeah. be anything that's a ticket sales type of thing. But we're going back to their interest in boxing. But I, I think it has more to do with the fact that boxing got more interesting recently. Is it just me? I just feel like yeah, there's no, much more buzz about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that hasn't happened in a really long time, as far, especially for heavyweights. I so, thought for sure when the Floyd and Manny era came to an end, you know, Manny's still competing yeah. when yeah. it's on its last legs. I thought, oh, we're in trouble. Nope, not really. No. Yeah. So I think that has more to do with it. It's like we have all this possibility. We have a good system going. Yeah, but when you're also pumping out the UFC Greenvilles of the world, See, of course I, boxing, I, anything is more th- interesting. This is where I I disagree because I, probably because I my brain is kind of groomed to watch these type of shows that don't have big buzzes because I want to see my LFA people who got into the UFC perform really well sure. and build their careers. So usually it's the cards that I don't know really a lot of the names on. I'll watch it because I'm more interested in to see this up and coming talents. So I've been I've trained my brain that way. Yeah. So I don't really necessarily. Yeah, but you're a casual mean, MMA fan. What are you doing no, this no, card no. for? Yeah, this is, there's nothing for you. No way. But where are these people that are going to eventually be the stars? When are they going to fight? 
right. So yeah, they've got to so be is, on the yeah, Greenville. So this is my point. It's like yeah. you know, I'm, bit, I'm being a bit hypocritical because I'm always I always tell people go to regional MMA, go to regional For MMA, sure. go to regional MMA because they're so they're so a the ticket price is so worth the dollar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you get good seats. Too. You get great. Yeah, yeah. You want some blood splattered on you? I got great news Look, for you. There Bro. are the Avengers, summer blockbusters of the world, <laughs> yeah. and then there are the good independent films. These are like the, the indie, indie films, films yeah. that aren't right. all over. And also, the media. You, you don't know who's gonna who's gonna be a next you know star. Right. I'll but the say problem this, is, here's the problem: the Avengers is three hours. These shows are seven. <laughs> it just takes it just takes less yeah, yeah. time. That's true. But I'll say this: just a little anecdote about our regional MMA. I saw Nico Price coming up in the regional circuit. Uh, at Fight Time Promotions uh, in South Florida. I called one of... Dude, uh, Nico Price had... He demolished people? Bonker fights. It, yeah. I don't know if this is online. Probably not. But look it up. Nico Price versus Michael Lilly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the craziest fights I've ever seen. And I was right there. And there was maybe like just a few hundred people with me. Suhudo yeah. came out of the LFA. Valentina Shevchenko came out of the LFA. But I mean, there's so many huge stars. Brian Ortega was the LFA champion. Yeah, the LFA has produced some serious sure. heavy hitters. So yeah. I, I really like, I like to see everything kind of string along. I called when he was an amateur. I mm-hmm. called uh, one of Sadiq Youssef's fights. He absolutely annihilated some kid in like I think a minute, may, may, maybe not even that. And I was like, God damn, that kid's good. When was this? Not long ago, four okay. years ago. Yeah, because he's he's fairly new. Too. Yeah, but four years ago he was an amateur. He was cru- like I think the promoter was like, you got to go pro. Like you <laughs> right. can't you can't do this anymore. Um, in any event, all right. So we have UFC Greenville. Danny, main event. You got Hanato Moicano taking on Chan Sung Jung. Moicano, not as young as people think, but not old. Thirty. Thirty. Chan Sung Jung had some time off. Had that crazy fight with Yair. Yeah. One of those later, and now he's 32 and coming off of a loss. What are these two fighting for? To try to stay relevant in the featherweight division. Now, and again, Moicano coming off the Aldo loss. Yeah. Coming off the race. So they're trying to get on the winning track. They're trying to get well, on the winning track. That. What are they fighting? But uh, I think I think Moicano, yes, you mentioned he's 30, but MMA years, he's still very young. Uh, he's nowhere 30 as far as like MMA years go. And I feel like there's a lot of promise in him. Even in that Jose Aldo fight, like you can see things where where he's still putting things together. Chan Sung Young, I wouldn't say he he's likely a finished product at this point. We know what we're gonna get with him when he fights. Uh, but again, he, you know, he, he he had to do military service, so, so there's still a lot of questions. And that air fight, he was looking good. Um, unfortunately for him, he got knocked out. But I, I think Chan Sung Young has a strong following, and I feel like if he gets a win here, another win there. He could probably put a last run together uh, to fight for the title. Um, whereas Moicano has a lot more life left in him. So I think this is a more important fight for Chan Sung Yun than it is for Hinato. Phoenix, I think if you're a hardcore fan, what I'm about to say does not apply. But I think this is true for the cat. In fact, I'm damn certain it's true. There was a moment in time in MMA where maybe Chan Sung Jung could have claimed the title as the most exciting fighter, most exciting good fighter. Like, he was beating Dustin Poirier in Fairfax, yeah. Virginia, for yep. crying out loud. That I, rise was... And, he, and Dana White was wearing Korean zombie shirts. Again, for the hardcores, still relevant. For everybody else, I feel like that thing has completely died. Yeah. Sort of. Not saying it's fair. Yeah. I think because it, he is the Korean zombie and there's always been like that name has come into play and come up in conversations for people who are very relevant. I think that it kind of has a bit of buzz. But yeah, I believe Moicano is a lot more talked about in recent days because he's been more active yep. besides the you know the the last fight. But I think that this particular fight brings both of them into into our attention and it makes the rankings a little bit more interesting. Like who's going to pop up? Who's going to be in our top 10, top five? Who's going to drop off of that? And I I think that the biggest thing to take away from that particular matchup is who's moving forward. Yeah. I think also it's a question of like who has a future. Yeah. Right? Because Moicano at 30, he's okay, he's beaten some good guys, but then he goes against the elite ones. Brian Ortega falls apart. Jose Aldo. You could maybe argue was stopped early. I don't think so. He lost that one. And now you're like, you're 30 years old, man. And Brazil needs another, Brazil needs its next, you know, yeah. its next guy forward. You're going to be that guy. Yeah. It's funny. Like, you know, someone was, I've been making this point for years. Like, Brazil had, like, I mean, the, the generation that came out of, like, the, the, the Machida's at the tail end of it. But, like, the Hanato Sobrals and Vanderleys and Machidas and the Shogun. And then Ninja, people forget Ninja used to be a good fighter mm-hmm. and. And then the Nogueira brothers and Brazilian top team and shoot to box and all that. I mean, Junior, doing, right, just, this, this yeah. generation, this wave of Brazilian talent. And you still have the same amount in terms of uh, the number of fighters for the most part. 
but they're a big star. So is it, is it going to be Bohashinya? Who's it going to be? It turns out Jessica Andrade just comes there and body slams Rose, captures that title. I don't know if she'll be a star. Amanda Nunes, body cyborg, captures two belts. I don't know if she's going to be a star, but it turns out it was on the women's side of the game that's that they made I, the most games. That's you know? what I was just going to say. But I'm, I just want to know where they are in the rankings. Um, so right now for, where, for a featherweight? Right. Um, I can tell you if you give me just a minute here. Uh, I have to be like top 15. Yeah, where's Korean Zombie and, and where's Moicano? Uh, they got to be near the top, yeah. I'm assuming. That's what, yeah. So, I have a feeling Moicano is, is higher ranked. For sure. I mean, he's been much more yeah. active. Actually, KZ might not even be in the rankings, to be honest. Uh, he's definitely going to be in the rankings. So your rankings for featherweight. Jesus Christ, this interface. Could you, could you, could it be worse? Uh, Moicano's at fi- sitting at five. Right. And Chan Sung Jung at 12. Okay, 12. okay. so there you 12. go. There you go. That's pretty interesting. Uh, all right, also on that card, a rematch of sorts. You have Rob Font, one of these guys out of New England. A lot of people don't know how good he is. He's very good so as good. a striker. He's only lost One of the most to, underrated fighters, I think. Super underrated. Yeah. He's only ever lost to, like, really good fighters. So, like, Pedro Munoz. He lost to Lineker before. I think there's one of somebody else he lost to. Oh, uh, Rafael Sunsau. But um, he's actually pretty good. He's coming off of a win, and he's taking on John Lineker, and this is going to be at bantamweight, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, you had Lineker complaining he wasn't getting enough fights. Here he gets this one. He gets a rematch. Again, I'm asking, what are they fighting for? Like, how do you size up, not necessarily who's going to win, but, like, what's at stake here? What's at stake is, again, if we're really using the rankings as sort of who's going to get scheduled for what's next. Like, notice I don't say I don't say title because it's it's who's busy, who's occupied, and what's next next in play. It's just setting you up for what's next in play. And I think that that's where they are particularly, and it's a little bit of a popularity contest too, because Lineker is way more of the popular too, definitely, yeah. because of his, his power, his hands, his striking, and it might be the popularity contest as well. I don't think, to be honest, like much is on the line here um, as far as just you know picking up a win, picking up some money. Uh, and just, I guess, moving up the ladder. Because, like, John Lineker shouldn't be... And this is no knock on, on Rob Font, but he beat Rob Font already. Like, mm-hmm. he, he, in my opinion, John Lineker is a top bantamweight, and sure. he should be fighting top bantamweights. Not that... And I think uh, Rob Font is a great fighter. And I think this is going to be a really good fight for the fans. Yeah, but by the way, Rob, Font, a, Rob Font brings it, and his striking so it good. It was supposed to be against um, Stanton. Stanton. Yeah, Stanton. there was a Cody Stamen. Stamen, yeah. And, there was a, and, the, and here's the other part. Uh, Font lasted all three rounds with him. He did mm-hmm. not get... I mean, That's true. he couldn't handle the power in terms of winning the fight, but he didn't get finished at no. all. He has very good footwork, yeah. so he's able to stay away. I mean, the, Marlon Vera did the same thing against John Lineker. There's a few guys that have been able to go all three rounds with well, Chito was a brick wall, uh, but yeah, yeah. Chito's tough as nails. Um, but yeah, I think, I think again, and I feel like a lot of fighters don't want to fight Lineker because he's not like the highest ranked opponent, but he's, regardless of whether you win or not, that's a tough fight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think this is just a fight that was booked. It's exciting. It's fun. We're going to watch it. Uh, it should be one of the better fights on the card. Um, but I don't think much is on the line here. All right. It wasn't um, what was originally scheduled, though. That's true. You know? I actually think this might be better. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be a fun fight. It's going to be a fun uh, fight. Anything else on the card you want to shout out? I'm going to go first, if I may, because I usually give it to you guys first, but I'm going to go first today. Uh, Deron Wynn taking on Eric Spicely. Deron Wynn, first of all, one of these top, top prospects out of the wrestling world. He fought Tom Lawler on the... Uh, Golden Boy MMA show in one handily, uh, and he was supposed to fight Bruno Silva, I believe. So Silva falls out. So they got Eric Spicely, who used to be in the UFC, who had one of the best fights ever. Not one of the best fights ever, but a really good fight with Shoeface. So now he's back. This will be on the prelims. Really looking forward to that. Anything yeah. else on this card? Andrea Lee versus oh, um, right, Montana yeah. De La Rosa. Yeah. I like that fight a lot. I like to see where those two are going and uh, where they're both headed. Very good. Yeah, that's that's my pick. That's your, what yours as well? Yeah. Good for um, okay, well, the last on that card here very quickly, if I may. Uh, sorry, I was... I, people just hit me up on this. Uh, you know what? Forget it. I want to get to this. Let's get to BKFC before we go. <laughs> BKFC. Very quickly, with the time we have remaining. Time we have remaining. Um, table. How do we feel about Malinaji saying, the only reason I got this fight was because MMA fans were stupid enough to think that a less than 500 fighter in the UFC would be good enough to beat, he didn't put it in these words exactly, but a former two-time world boxing champion. Yeah. Thank you, in his words, basically, stupid MMA fans for making this possible. How do we feel about that? I was mad for five minutes, and then I realized. <laughs> I was mad for five minutes, and then I realized what he was doing. What's he doing? 
He's basically saying that you guys, are you guys serious that you think that this guy can take on a competitive boxer and a two-time world champion? That's what he means. And he took that approach. I don't like the approach that he took because obviously there are some very smart, educated MMA fans. Uh, I think the, the UFC did some type of survey about their particular fans and they're more athletic than most sports fans, which means because we train in martial arts, we want to watch martial arts. So it's kind of like a, it's a messed up statement on his part, but I get, get what he's saying. He's like, do you guys actually believe that he can outbox a boxer? Is he right? Not necessarily because bare knuckle is not the same as boxing. There's a lot of differences to it. And yeah. it's in it's in a circle, too. There's a lot of different things about how you— And they start you, like this, not like this. Yeah, like mm-hmm. how you cut angles. So he has to make some major adjustments. And honestly, this is my own ignorance. I don't know how in shape Paulie was before this. We had him in I, studio you know, again. I don't he, know how long. He looked to be Okay, mm-hmm. so I, you know, I'm, I don't know how quickly you can adjust for the things that you need to do mm-hmm. for bare, bare knuckle. I know that you should definitely start— hitting pads and the bag without anything on. So you yeah. strengthen your wrists and your, it's like when you do karate, you had the makiwara and you'd hit it a thousand times so that you'd, you know, you'd built up your hands. So I think there's a lot of those things, the dirty boxing, the clinching, there's a lot of things that he needs to work on that is not something he's used to. You know, you see boxers do things in MMA when they transfer over or they dip their heads too low. It's stuff that's so ingrained in your yeah. body that you default to it. So Listen, if he gets to outpunch him and stay on the outside and work his jab and his footwork and his movement, and if Lobov is, is plotting this way, Paulie could have an easy night. But if they get close, I don't know, it could be nasty. Is he right? I think he might be. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I think, I think, proclamation? I think that's a proclamation. Well, because okay. if I you look the, at Mayweather <laughs> McGregor, right? Like I, know, that's, I think that, yeah. that type of statement applies more for uh, Mayweather McGregor because that was straight boxing. Like mm-hmm. anyone knew, like, Flamer was going to piece up oh. McGregor. And it's not that McGregor was not a bad fighter, he's just not a boxer. Um, in this situation, I feel like either, I feel like there's two things. Either he might be right, and I'm also a stupid MMA fan, <laughs> or. This is just promotion because, like Phoenix said, I do think there's a case to be made. Because logic does say that, you know, Polly should go in there and piece up Artem, for sure. Sure. But there are enough things that you can add up in, in, in Artem's favor that will play against, you know, Polly. And I think it's very interesting, for example, I mean, okay, so I thought, I agreed with his statement <laughs> until I talked to Brian Campbell who was, Brian Campbell was the boxing es- expert, and he does believe that Malinaj is going to have a really tough time in this in this yeah. bout. And that's when I went, oh, okay. And then I started analyzing all these other factors. Prior to that, I was just like, yeah, Malinaj should just run through Artem. Uh, but look, there's clinching. A, a lot of clinching involved and striking while you clinch. That's something that we don't yeah, see in boxing. boxing. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people hate on, on, on Artem uh, in many ways, but like, he, when he said this, it was pretty on point. He's like, I am no expert at the clinch. I am by no means a great wrestler or, you know, someone that's good at tying up. But against Paulie, I'm an expert because I've been doing this for years. He hasn't. So there's a lot of things, a lot of factors that, that I think that let, lead me to believe that this fight might be co- competitive. But Paulie might be right. We'll wait and see. Uh, I would say just very quickly, whenever you were talking to boxing people about Mayweather McGregor, they were like, yeah, of course Mayweather's yes. going to win. Exactly. Yeah, it was an obvious. Uh, on this one, they're like, eh, they're a little bit, yeah, Polly should win. So my attitude is probably Polly's going to win, but I don't know. Yeah. I am I'm on the same boat. trying to remain a little agnostic about yeah. it. I'm not counting hours. Here's what I will say about this, then we'll do under the radar. What I will say about this is very simple. Dude, you can say whatever you want about Lovato and Musasi being like the best fight or the most important or the most relevant or the most whatever, but it ain't the biggest. It ain't the biggest fight this weekend. The biggest one is Malinaji versus Artem. I guarantee, check all the MMA websites come Sunday morning. See which one's dominating the headlines. For, unless Musasi takes like a wild upset, uh, I suspect it's going to be BKFC. It's going to win the day yeah. because that is just... There's just too much sizzle. I'm sorry. There is. There's just too much sizzle. All right. Time now for our last segment. What's one small story that came through that maybe we didn't get to, that maybe we missed, that's just worth a very quick mention? Phoenix, what's under the radar? The ESPYs. The ESPYs are back, and they're here, and DC is nominated. And they and added an, uh, an all-MMA category. Exactly, yeah. that, which is a big deal. And it's like, how do you pick? Because it's, well, it's DC, Adesanya, 
Cejudo, uh, Amanda Nunes, and I'm, I think I'm missing somebody. Am I missing somebody? I forgot. But that's, oh, uh, you said Adesanya? Yeah. yeah. So that's, it's hard to pick. So I thought that was really cool. All right. Yeah. Very good. What's under the radar, uh, Danny? Mine often when we talk about the welterweight division, this man gets, you know, uh, excluded from the conversation of, of the top welterweight, Santiago Poncinibio. Uh Probably the best, Argenti- the best Argentine MMA fighter we've seen. Uh, you know, he, he was doing well. He was riding a, a win streak, but, you know, he, he's had some setbacks as far as, like, out of the cage, and he was hospitalized recently. Our own Guillermo Cruz spoke to him. Mm. Um, he had a knee infection. He was feeling well, but then the medication wasn't, wasn't uh, working with his body, so he was having fevers. So he had to go back to the hospital, and finally, he, it seems to be he's in the clear, and, and he's back home after being hospitalized for, like, I think it was a week. Mm. Um, so... He's back and, you know, not back 100% as far as like training-wise, but uh, he's back and clear to resume his MMA career. And uh, all the lights went out in Argentina. Did you see that story? Yeah. Kind of crazy. Um, all right, so lastly, I would say I had to do this and be petty because I am petty. The UFC announced they're going to have uh, their Hall of Fame ceremony at uh, the Palms. And then right after that, they're going to have some kind of like kickoff party or whatever for the weekend. And they're going to have Godsmack play. And I just... <laughs> I couldn't find a shotgun to put in my mouth fast oh, enough. Oh, God. I mean, who is making... I know who's making these calls. Can you believe that it's 2019? Can you believe it's 2019 and they're having Godsmack concerts? It is... The apocalypse is... a. I wait for the earth to just get boiled by the, by the sun. Just, just end it all, Jesus, because we have lost the plot with this one. What a... What a dis- what a disappointing piece of news! I, would say. I only know like two of their songs, I know one so song, I can't no. even. <laughs> I, I literally I don't know. I don't, and I'm being dead serious about this. And I, I like rock and I like metal. Here's the I thing: just, I, don't I, I, I don't know what the medical explanation is, and I'm being serious. Every time I hear Godsmack, I instantaneously get diarrhea. Now, what <laughs> what is the connection? I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's like it's a lot of it's information. Like, it's like you were crying like a bitch. Uh oh, where's the Pepto? <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> About to have an accident. That Godsmack got me again. It's weird. I, I can't go to the concert, obviously. You know, bad things would happen. All right. That it? There we go. Uh, when are you on the road again? Uh, I leave Thursday. We're going to Madison. Wisconsin. LFA 70, I think. Yeah, LFA 70. Wisconsin. Very underrated U.S. state. Yeah. Yeah. Underrated U.S. state. Uh, all right. Well, for Phoenix, for Danny, I am Luke. Hands up, chin down, let him fly. This is MMA Beat.